Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, this morning I want to preach a missions uh, message, as I'm sure you would have expected, being that we're starting Mission Sunday, Missions Month. Um, as you can see, looking around behind me, our theme this year is Compelled. And I want to talk about the theme, but I really, as I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about stories. Now, um, Isaiah 61 is the the theme verse, and let me just share that with you this morning. It's, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of our God's favor, our Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Have any of you guys ever had a crazy teacher or a crazy professor in college? Anybody just a little bit woohoo out there? I had, I've had a few. I had one that I'm thinking of this morning as I got ready to preach this message, and I actually liked the guy and learned a lot from the guy. So, you know, put that in context but he was, he was just, he was a bit out there. He was a college professor. He was teaching a class on philosophy, which is probably why. And he was a very devout atheist um, who had came within like one class, one course, one whatever of becoming a, a, a Catholic priest. And for some reason that fell through and he became an atheist. And he was just all over the place. He was, he was an interesting guy. But he came into class one day and he said, I want you guys to, to uh, your, your assignment for this week, this was an undergrad class, I need a three-page paper and this is the topic. And he wrote it on the board. Why? W-H-Y question mark. That was it. That was all he told us. We could take it from there and go any way we want to go. Well, I'm enough of a preacher, and I'm enough of always will find something to say that I was able to fill three pages pretty quickly. But, man, you talk about an oddball question, right? Um, This morning, though, I want to go there with you all, but I want to put a little bit of context to it. Why? Why do we feel compelled? Why do we, as the people of God, feel compelled to, to do what I just read in, in, in Isaiah, why do we can feel, feel compelled to bring the good news? What is it that compels us to bind up the brokenhearted? What compels us to go and speak and proclaim liberty to those that are captives? What is it that compels us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? What is it that compels us to talk about the judgment, coming judgment of God? What is it, what is it that compels us to be a people that's missions-minded, missions-oriented? What is it that compels us? Why are we compelled? Now, I, as, I, as I said earlier, I begin to, to pray, and God, I, I've been doing this for a number of weeks, getting ready for this. How, you know, how would you like me to, what direction would you like this year's Missions Month to go in these messages and these sermons? And, and I really felt like God spoke to me and said, don't go the way of dollars and numbers and statistics, but talk about the story. And, and I will say to you this morning, please understand me on this, okay? Dollars matter. Numbers matter. Statistics do matter. And, but the thing that compels us most often isn't the dollars, isn't the numbers, it's not the statistics, it's the story. It's the story. That's the thing that touches our heart. And we're compelled, I believe this to be true, I know it is in my own life, I find myself compelled because I know the story. 
say, Pastor Barry, what story are you talking about? Well, I'm going to talk about several stories today and in this coming couple week or so. But it's, it's a story that would work in any Hollywood script. It's a story of tragedy. It's a story of love. It's a story with villains and heroes. It's a story of failure. It's a story of second chances. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of all of those things. I want to talk this morning about why we're compelled. We're compelled because we believe the story. Now, we believe the story in the sense that we believe the big S story, but we also believe the small S story. You say, Pastor Bray, what do you mean by that? Let me me just, I'll I'll show you that. I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. I'll show you the small S story here after a bit. But let me just talk about the big S, the big story, okay? The story that covers all of humanity, all of time, all of space. And it starts in your Bibles and in my Bible in the beginning. Y'all ever been there? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. Why am I compelled towards missions? Why am I compelled to proclaim the gospel? Why am I compelled to help get the the, the word, spread the word of the good news? Why am I compelled? Because I know the story and I believe the story and the story starts in the beginning. There is a God and God created. And if I know that God created, then I know that he exists. And if I know that he exists, then I know that there's a God out there that I need to have and everybody's story needs to have him connected to it, right? Why are we compelled? We're compelled because we believe the story. God went on and he said in Genesis 1, 26, he said, let us make mankind, let us make man or mankind in our image after our likeness. Why are we compelled? Things have been tense in our country lately. Y'all know that, right? I know it's been a shock. This week's not surprisingly been no different. Um, In fact, probably tenser than ever. But there's something that happens to people when they come to realize that God made man, mankind, man and woman. You, you read it. It's, he made man and woman in his image. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what your economic level is. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. None of those things matter. God made every one in his image. When I realize that, all of a sudden I realize we're all, all of us brothers and sisters. Right? We realize this reality. God made us all in his image. And I'm compelled. How many, I probably shouldn't ask this, how many of you love your brothers and your sisters, your family? They didn't, you know, they annoy you sometimes, right? And you annoy them sometimes, but I'm going to tell you, we're all compelled to care for our family. And when I begin to look around and realize everybody, everybody is made in the image of God, all of a sudden I feel compelled to do what I can to reach into their lives and make a difference in their story. Why are we compelled? 
Genesis 2-7 puts it this way, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Why? Because we realize the story. The story is this, that not only did God create, and not only did God make mankind, not only did he make us in his image, there came a moment in a time at creation where he said, you know what, I've made animals, I've made horses, I've made lions, I've made dogs, I've made plants, I've made the entire biosystem, biosphere, I've made all of these things, but now I've made something that I'm going to do something above and beyond. I'm going to breathe life. I'm going to breathe. This is my personal take on this and some others i believe it was at that moment god breathed not just life but a soul he breathed spirit into man and made mankind unique and special and you look around folks we look around humanity we look at the story of mankind and is there evil in it absolutely is there deception in it absolutely is there pain and bad things and horrible things and murder and genocide and all of those things absolutely there is but you also look around mankind and you realize man has got this capacity to do good by choice not instinct but by choice because god made us in his image and he breathed a soul into us. Why are we compelled? Because with the the reality of a soul comes freedom of choice, and with freedom of choice comes the option to do evil in the eyes of God and suffer the consequences. There's nobody here that wants their children to go through the consequences of sin. We kind of become hard towards our own lives and own selves and think whatever, But we look at our kids and think, no, I don't want my kids to go through the consequences of sin. I want them to know Jesus. And then when I step back and I remember and I realize and I know the story is this, that it's not just my children that are my family, but I look around and I realize God made all people, all nations, all nationalities, all ethnicities, all languages. God made all of them. And how can I want any one of them, how can I want any one of them and be okay with any one of them going through the consequences of sin? And I feel compelled to do everything in my power, to let them know the good news, the good news. Why are we compelled? Compelled because we know the story. We're compelled because we know God created us with free will. We're compelled because he said in chapter 2 of verse 16 and 17, the Genesis, God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat you shall surely die. We are compelled because we know that death is a reality, because we're a people of free will. We're compelled because we've read Genesis 3.1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? And we know every human being that is living on the face of this earth right now has the enemy, the serpent, the Satan, the devil, in some fashion, in some form, maybe in reality, but probably not directly, but saying to him, did God really say? I want to go to them and say, yes, he did. And there's a better way. Why are we compelled? We're compelled because of Genesis 3, 6. So the woman saw the tree. She took of its fruit. She ate. She gave some to her husband. And he ate. We're compelled because I told you it was a story of failure and deception. and We always blame it on Eve which is really convenient for us guys. Even though God told Adam 
before Eve was created, most likely, don't eat. So Adam had to pass it on to Eve, and it was Eve that was tempted. But you read the story, and you realize that it wasn't like Eve snuck over to the tree and ate of the fruit, and Adam was off, you know, working hard somewhere. You read the story, and Adam was standing right there. You read the story. Now, I don't really know, but I would not be surprised if Adam wasn't saying there, you go first. You, you try it. You, it'll be, you try it. Did God really say? Yeah, he did, but, but you, you, you go first. And Eve did. And when she didn't fall down dead in that moment, she turned around and gave it to him. And she said, ah. she told him, she said, hey, it's good. Here, you try. And he was dumb enough to do it. Really? Why are we compelled? Because we know that the story is a story of deception. It's a story of failure. It's a story of sin. It's a story of death. It's a story. It's a story that has some rough parts. It's a story of separation and fear. We read on in Genesis 3. And we're told this part of the story. After they ate of the fruit, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. That's the story. You have somebody in your life you love and you care about and you're, you're, you're really close to. Can you imagine in your story the moment where all of a sudden you have to separate? You, have, you feel this person that you've spent your existence with, you have to, out of fear, you go and hide yourself from their presence. If you can, if you can imagine that, if you can imagine that in your story, you can imagine a piece of what it must have been like to have been Adam and Eve having ate of the fruit, and now they have to go and hide from the presence of God. Why are we compelled? Because we know the story. The Lord came down and he said to them, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Can you imagine this? One, one thing that I just really dislike in this world, and it's just an annoyance to me, it's not a huge thing, but I don't like, you guys have pets. I, I really hate it when I see a dog that, cringes every time his owner comes nearby or reaches out his hand towards him you because it tells me that probably that dog has been beaten i i I hate this i hate to see that um i mean we well sometimes we discipline our dog uh ruthie spoils him rotten um he's like a grandchild more than a child because the children weren't spoiled rotten trust me he doesn't cringe but i hate to see that but can you imagine can, can you imagine your child, can, and, and I've seen this with children, and it's just so sad. Can you imagine a child that fears their parent in that way? And did you see, did you, did you catch what I just read, the story? Adam and Eve went and they hid themselves from the presence of God. And when God came to them and said, my children, my creation, the, the ones, you that I love and I've been walking with, why are you hiding yourself from me? And their response was, Adam said, I'm afraid. And it wasn't, because it, was, it wasn't because God was the abuser or God was an abuser. It was because they know what they had done was wrong. Why are we compelled? Because we know, we know the story. We know the story. We know the story. We're told in Genesis 3.22 that God then sent them out from the Garden of Eden. He drove out the man. We know the story. We know it's a family story. 
We know it's a story that, that goes beyond Adam and Eve because we know in chapter 4, Adam and Eve, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and again she bore his brother Abel. In the course of time, Cain was very angry with Abel and Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and Abel killed Cain killed Abel. Why? Why are we compelled? Why are we compelled? We're compelled because we know we know, we know the story. It's a story of evil. It's a story of temptation. It's a story of failure. It's a story of fear. It's the biggest story. It's all of those things. But we also know the smallest story. Let me just have a moment and tell you about the smallest story. This is a story of faces you recognize. I've never seen Adam or Eve or Cain or Abel or... Abraham or Isaac or Moses or any of them, but the story they played out is a story that's played out in faces you recognize. It's the faces of your neighbors. It's the faces of your friends. It's the faces of your family. See, we not only know the big S story, but we know the small S story. It's the story of people we care about. It's the story of the person that you see every morning when you get up and look in the mirror. You ever look at yourself in the morning? I won't ask if you cringe. <laughs> Most mornings I do. It's like, wow, if I had to face that every day. <laughs> and then I realize I do in the mirror. You see, the smallest story is the story of people we love, people we care. It's our story. We see our story in the mirror every single day. It's our story. It's our story, and it's their story. Why are we compelled? We're compelled because we know the story. We're compelled because we know the story. We're also compelled because we know it's a story of hope, right? There's another side to the story. There's the story that I talked about, but there's a story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. There's a story of Josiah, which we talked about Wednesday night or got ready to talk about Wednesday night. There's a story of Mary and Joseph. There's the story of Jesus. You see, why are we compelled? Because we know the story, the biggest story and the smallest story. And we know the biggest story has, has a big piece of hope in it. It's the hope of Jesus. We're compelled because we know the story. It's the story of John 3.16. Can you quote John 3.16 for me? You know it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Why are we compelled? Because we know the story. We know the failures. We know the sin. We know the evil. We know the pain. We know the sorrow. We know the murder. We know the anger. We know the hatred. We know the temptations. We know the things that have happened and do happen. Big S story, small S story in our own life, even in the person that looks back at us in the mirror. But we also know it's a story of John 3.16 and a, a story of hope. Why are we compelled to preach the good news? Why are we compelled to proclaim? Why are we compelled to do everything we can to let every brother and every sister anywhere in this world, regardless of their color or their language or their ethnicity or their religion or where they may be, regardless of that, why are we compelled? Because we know it's also a story of hope. 
It's a story of promise. It's a story of change. It's a story of victory. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of deliverance. Why are we compelled? We're compelled because we know the story. We know what Paul said in Romans 10. He said this, he said, he said, here's the way we go from the beginning story to the story of hope. Here's what it requires. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he says, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him who they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? Why are we compelled? Because we know there's hope in the story, but the only way hope can get to our brothers and sisters is somebody has to proclaim and preach the gospel, the good news to them. And they all have a story. Every one of you sitting in this room, you've got a story. Your parents, your, your, your family, your siblings, your aunts, your uncles, you, you all have a story. And it's a story that maybe it's not the story of Cain and Abel, where Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. But I'm going to tell you, every one of you has got a story that if you would stand and tell the story, you would, you would break people's heart. You, 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 and some of the stories we wouldn't even tell. I've got stories in my family I wouldn't even share, and I don't share publicly. We all have those things, those stories. And we're compelled, and we become even more compelled when we realize that the story that has hurt us and challenged us and caused us to call out to God for hope is the same story that people around this world. I, I don't care whether you're an 80-year-old grandmother who's a part of a Bedouin group uh, in the Middle East that lives on camelback and lives in tents. I don't care whether you are a, a, an Indian of Peru a Peruvian India. I don't care whether you're a Mayan that lives in Belize. I, I don't care whether you're, we, we, me and Ruthie and I were in Belize a, a number of years ago on a missions trip. We traveled from the, the, the coast um, where it was uh, Belizeans who had a strong uh, Spanish um, and African background as many in South America do. We traveled through an Amish community in the heart of Belize, Central America. I thought I was back in Indiana. Um, the, the, the rows, a fence, the corn, the buggies. It was, we traveled through an Amish community to get to a Mayan community, a, 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 an indigenous Mayan community in Belize. I don't care where you are or who you are, you have a story and you need hope. I could take you to France. I could take you to Germany. I could take you to the heart of Moscow. I could take you anywhere in this world. We can even go here in these states. Jay Covert, much of the work he does in the inner city in the United States, every single place and person has a story, and we've got to. We must, and I believe we do. We're compelled to bring them the promise and the hope of the good news because just like our story, they have a story, and they need and they deserve that hope. To bring this to a close this morning, it's not about the dollars. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the stats. Even though all those things do matter, and I'm not, I'm actually going to talk about them briefly, or I'm going to show you a, a clip here briefly of them, and they'll be involved in that. But it's not those things that compel us. It's the story. It's the story. Because it's about people and it's about their lives, their hurts their stories. 
Why are we compelled? We're compelled because we know the stories. Christine is going to show us a video that we are really hoping will work this morning. We were having issues before service. It's about two or three minutes long. It's not very long, but I want you to watch it. And here's the thing. I want you to hear as you watch this video. I want you to hear the numbers, hear the stats, hear the dollars. That's fine. But I want you to see, please, when you look at this and listen to this, when you look at this, see the faces of the people. And I want you to think not dollars and statistics and numbers. I want you to think, God, what is their story? And some of them, you can see the story written on their face. And I pray today God will continue to compel us to do everything in our power to share the peace of the story that's hope with our brothers and sisters around this globe. Watch this with me this morning. A lot of statistics and a lot of numbers and a lot of dollars, wasn't there? And, and that's fine. Those things matter. But did you look in the faces of the people and see the stories? A mama holding a baby looking out a window. An elderly lady struggling to get down a dirt road. People standing in a, in a concrete built single room church building with their hands raised and a piece, a piece on their face. Did you see the stories? That's why I'm compelled. I believe that's why we're compelled. God, what can we do to bring this gospel, this good news this, this message of hope to people around this world. We do this every year. We, we renew our mission's financial pledges because in order for that to happen, somebody has to go and preach. And in order to go and preach, somebody has to send them. And that's what most of us will do. And I believe there may come a day, some that attend here, especially in our, our kids and our youth, may feel compelled themselves to go but for right now, what we can do is we can send and have a part in sending. And it's never about whether you can give a big amount or a small amount. It's about what does God ask you to do. And this church has always been incredibly generous. Next week, I want to share, in addition to that, I want to share some of the other ways you can help with prayer and connecting and, and some of the things we shared last, last year um, to help send our missionaries but for this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I would like to end the service this way. Cheryl's going to play something for us softly here. But we have up here on the platform two things. We have a gift, uh, and thank you for those of you that helped put these together. It's a, a box with a map on it, um, and then inside, if I can figure out how it works, inside are a couple of just small things, magnets with a world inside of them, a map. And these are to be used simply as reminders that when you see these, wherever you put them, you can stick them on your refrigerator to hold your all your pictures and your schedules and stuff like I do, or you can stick them on your mirror if you look at yourself in the morning, whatever but something that will remind you that we've got brothers and sisters all around this world that need the message of hope. And, and God, what can I do? I want everybody that's in here this morning, if you would, come and take a, one of these gifts. And in addition to that, we have underneath a missions pledge card. And it just simply says on here, 
This is a faith promise. It's not a commitment in the sense of a bill that we're going to send you a, uh, a, a statement for a week. It's a, it's a faith promise, an agreement between you and God, not you and me. I will do my best. And you can make a commitment monthly or weekly. And here's what we're going to do with these this morning. I, I would invite you to take one. Um, and they can be handled a couple ways. One is um, you can fill it out today if you would like or next week if you would like. Or we'll collect any that are still outstanding the final week, our third week. But I want to go ahead and get them in your hands today if you want to take one. And if you want to take one to next week or the week after, that's fine. There's two ways you can handle it. One, just drop it in the box in the back at, at any time. Or you can hold on to them and we'll collect all that are left outstanding that final week. You say, Pastor Barry, I, we just, I just can't, I can't financially do that. It, it's between you and God, and if that's the case, that's fine. I, if you guys that have been around a while know I'm not the high-pressure high salesman preacher up here that's going to beat you up. I, I want you to hear the voice of God, whatever that may say. And if, and, if, and if you feel like you can't, then that's fine. But you know God may say a dollar. He may say $5. He may say $10. He may say you pour yourself into prayer and fasting and connecting with these missionaries. You hear the voice of God. And if that happens, if that happens, then this message will go. God will take care of the rest. How many of you believe that? I know that to be true. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'm going to invite you, if you guys will work this, go to the outside walls, come around and take a gift and take a, a, a pledge card if you want one. And then I'm going to ask you, we got a little bit of time, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and go back to your seats and let us pray, pray over our missionaries, and then we're going to dismiss you and we'll let you go. And as you come around, if you would just help with the whole keep the social distance unless your family thing, that would be appreciated as well. Um, and you can mask up if you want to, whatever you want to do. Will you come? Will you come? Or you could just be like Adam and send your wife. That would be the other avenue. One per family, if you would, Ruthie said. One per family. take a moment this morning just as we get ready to dismiss let you go to pray over our missions and our missionaries I've got on my desk a stack of missionaries that are, are, are requesting support that need support I've got a stack of probably I don't know eight or twelve I've got four I think four maybe five on the top that I really would like us to be able to support I, I will tell you this try to be transparent we've we support quite a few missionaries in this past few months I've been going through those we support and we've got a couple that we don't know anything about that we
we never hear from that we may drop our support for them and transition it to somebody that's getting ready to go on the field. We also have a few that have changed fields completely to different parts of the world, and we may rework that because we've got now two or three missionaries in the same country rather than spread out around the globe, so we may rework that as well. So I just want you to know that that, that is happening, but as always, every dollar that comes in for our missionaries goes to missions and goes to our missionaries. So I, I tell you that, I want you to be aware, but also to ask you to pray, because here's the thing, um, I don't want to just sit in an office as the leader, the pastor of the church, and just randomly, arbitrarily say, okay, you get money, you don't get money. I know you, I don't know you. I want to hear the voice of God, right? I, 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 because at the end of the day, I want as many people reached with the promise of hope as possibly can. That's what really matters. Absolutely matters. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning over our missionaries. We have them all over, literally all over the world and in the United States. And we pray, God, your hand upon them, your blessing, God, that you would make provision for them in these days of COVID. And God, that you would get them to the field and get them to the field fully funded and in a healthy way. We pray, God, your protection about them and their families and in many cases, their children. God, keep them safe as they travel in the states, raising funds, as they travel overseas and on the field itself. And I pray this morning, God, not only for our missionaries and our brothers and sisters that they're proclaiming the good news too, but I pray for us as a church, as the, the families that our souls harbor. This morning, God, our, our prayer is this, speak to our hearts. What would you have us to do? How can we be more effective and more diligent in getting the good news, the promise and the hope out there? Lord, give us wisdom with using the finances that are ours, that we give, and give us wisdom as the leadership of this church, Lord, as we, we distribute those funds to our missionaries. Lord, we put our faith and our trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. You have a great week. And um, keep loving Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.